Hey folks, welcome back to the Peach Pot Podcast. Jason Pye joined as always by Scott Turner and Buzz Brockway. Buzz coming live to us from Orlando. I guess not really live, this is recorded, but Buzz is currently in Orlando. Yep. And Scott somewhere in Cherokee County. Holly Springs, baby. (laughs) (laughs) And I am in Newton County. despite what the AJC says, I am not a former Georgian. Um, <laughs> anyway, it's good to see you. Never going to let it go, are you? Never going to let it go. Tamar Hollerman, if you're watching or listening, I'm never forgiving you for that. <laughs> <laughs> so and I, and for those of you who are watching this and don't know the backstory, a couple of years ago, Tamar wrote that, uh, that I was a former Georgian in an AJC story, which some of my colleagues, when I was at FreedomWorks, decided to print out many copies of that and <laughs> hang them around the office. Uh, because and, and Tamar literally, at the time, we were in the hall of the States building in Washington, D.C., and we were across the hall from Cox. And so I would see Tamar like going to the elevator for lunch or leaving the office for the day. And I was like, you know, you, you could have just texted me or come across the hall and asked like, you know, anyway, um, we got a lot to talk about tonight. The first thing I want to mention uh, before uh, is make sure you download, like subscribe uh, Apple podcasts. Um, and uh, actually put us on Amazon podcast uh, just this couple of days ago. I haven't gotten a confirmation on that, but we should be there soon. Also, YouTube, Facebook, uh, please check us out. Please share, subscribe, all the things. Uh, but before we dive into more political topics, I do want to note that this weekend is opening weekend, at least for, for our teams of college football season. So George has got Clemson and I think Georgia Tech's pay, playing St. Mary's School of the Blind and Deaf. No, um, Northern Illinois. St. Mary's School of the Blind and Deaf. <laughs> <laughs> is it really a St. Mary's School for the Blind and Deaf? Because I feel like you're crossing a line if there is, if that's a real place. No, I remember, I remember like several years ago, like all my, all the tech fans who I'm friends with on Facebook getting really excited about their football season after they beat like a division quadruple a school division three school by like oh, 70, 70, 70, something to three. And they're like, we're going to win the national championship. No, that you're you're describing Georgia fans. That time, every every, this is the 40, 41st year in a row where they're where they're you know half the Bulldog Nation is talking about how this is our year. I mean, look, we, we, with the Senate rates coming, we have to relive uh, you know nineteen eighty uh, all over again. And so yeah, that we go. national so, championship that came forty something years ago. Forty, yeah, forty one years ago. So. <laughs> Oh, you kiss my ass. Uh, (laughs) Go Owls. I'm just going to say, Kennesaw State Owls kick off tomorrow night. Hey, Hootie Hoo. Hootie Hoo. This is the first year Scott's not going to call me and ask me if I want to go see a Georgia game. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Do not have those tickets any longer. That's right. Sucks. Uh, So we are officially out of Afghanistan. Um, Obviously, we've talked about this already. And sort of the frustration that kind of <clears throat> came with the way this this withdrawal was handled, um, it seems to be a complete embarrassment. Also, there's been some. Yeah, I, I haven't seen verification of whether these pictures have been confirmed or not. But obviously, the picture of the Black Hawk helicopter with a person hanging from it was something that was pretty alarming. I think to a lot of us. So um, that turned out to was it be, fake? Well, not it. It was a legitimate video, but not of what it was purported to be. Okay, it, it was good. not an execution which would have been horrifying by itself, uh, probably even more horrifying than the truth, which was that there were Taliban fighters who figured out how to fly a Black Hawk helicopter that we had left behind, and they were trying to post a flag 
and the guy was actually harnessed from his chest and was a Taliban okay. guy hanging from below the helicopter. Um, you know, so they, there was video of him waving to people on the ground. So he oh, clearly was not. Seen that. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 you know, I have mixed emotions about it, but the, the reality is that that was a U.S. helicopter that was left behind, yeah. which and, and should not have been left in that perfect of a condition. Which I think is which I think is the thing that's pretty alarming when it's all said and done is how much stuff we left behind in Afghanistan. And I saw a really good graphic about this the other day, and I retweeted it uh, from I forgot who had tweeted it out. And I it basically my I, I mean I was joking, but it, there's a hint of truth to what I said is basically the the DOD's 1033 program, which is the program from which <laughs> yeah. from which uh, uh, state and local law enforcement agencies yeah. get get uh, uh, excess equipment. Uh, uh, from dod has basically been extended to the taliban yeah and, and i saw pretty- a pretty good hot take about that actually it said all i want is access to the weapons that i bought for the pal- for the taliban no it's it's, it's a it's a it's yeah. a good it's no it's a fun it's a fun i think michael malice is the one who said that i think i saw i think i saw the same thing but no like so this uh this is so this is the graphic i saw uh it was from the twitter account disclosed tv uh, the Taliban's new arsenal, and they're sourcing the GAO, the Government Account uh, Accounting Office. I think they mean Accountability Office. Uh, uh, but 22,000 Humvee, 634 uh, M1117s, uh, 64,000 machine guns, 8,000 trucks, 162,000 radios, 16,000 pairs of night vision goggles, oh, God. 358,000 assault rifles, 126,000 pistols, and 176 art- artil- uh, artillery pieces. And the thing is, 42,000 trucks and SUVs, uh, 169 armored personnel carriers, 155 mine-proof vehicles. The Taliban is having victory parades in our own military vehicles. I, it's crazy, man. That And, and, and I, I saw this really condescending uh, piece on CNN by Don Lemon where he was calling out GOP hypocrisy. And he, he doesn't get it that people in the GOP wanted to get out of Afghanistan. It's the way that we did it. And we point to yeah. these specific things that you are ignoring. This is an epic failure by this administration. They, yeah. they should definitely be held accountable for, for this. They have armed our greatest enemy in the last 20 years. And it's all stuff that we gave them. We left it behind because they, and, he and couldn't get people, organized in his exit plan. There, there's a, people people forget ahead. that the Taliban does not just want to control Afghanistan, that they could use this they don't like Pakistan. They, they don't like India. They, they, they have greater territorial ambitions. And, you know, I mean, this, this, now they have a, a, a you know, advanced weapons and there are, you know, back in the eighties, I don't know what they're called these days, but back in, in the nineties rather when, or, or sorry, back in the year 2000, when we first invaded Afghanistan, we went and worked with the Northern Alliance, which was a, which was a group of, of people of various entities who were, uh, various groups of Afghani people who were opposed to the Taliban. Uh, groups, op, op, uh, opposition groups still exist. Now those folks can be absolutely crushed with our own weapons and then used to to further the Taliban's aims in the region. Yep. So th- this is, yeah, this is yet another example of how we're going to be paying for this uh, for years and years. And just to, you mentioned the Northern Alliance, we back during the Afghan war with the, with the Soviets, we were funding the Northern Alliance. We were we were funding all the Mujahideen, but we were also Masood was one of the people we were funding. Uh, Ahmed Masood, uh, and we funded him in his fight against the Taliban as well. 
And yeah. of course, he he was killed. Uh, he was assassinated two days before 9-11, which was sort of a precursor to 9-11. Now his son is is currently trying to rebuild the Northern Alliance. But like you said, Buzz, uh, when they face the, the Taliban, uh, they will be fighting the Taliban, uh, a Taliban using our own American, American military weapons, yeah. which is incredibly frustrating. Now, you know, and certainly Pakistan has had been funded by or, or armed by Americans over the course of the last, you know, uh, back through Musharraf and, and others, uh, you know, and the Taliban hasn't exactly been friendly to us, uh, specifically the ISI, uh, you know, who probably at least there was some knowledge that bin Laden was in the country, but the, the, like we keep, we keep constantly picking the wrong allies uh, yeah. in, in the Middle yeah. East. And uh, it, it's, it's our foreign policy uh, preferences seem to not it's not that they make sense yes. maybe and, and look I, I, the, scott you you said like republicans wanted out of afghanistan i there are republicans who want out of afghanistan well donald trump started us down this path as the president has pointed out many occasions right yeah. I, and there was appetite for that within the republican party i mean that is without dispute and I, i'm not disputing that right <laughs> what i'm saying is the loudest voices so to speak right now are not the voices you want us like McCarthy's criti- criticism of of Biden uh other Republicans who, who are noted war hawks uh they don't want us out of Afghanistan they want us to stay there as long as possible and this includes some people who are loosely friends of ours too um you know like like Eric Erickson who's been critical of Biden because he I mean, Eric's theoretic theoretical view is the forever war will come here if we're not over there so I mean and I love Eric but you know I disagree with Eric's take on that um, but, but I think but, I, I think a lot a lot of the response has been muddied by the fact that Biden has sort of set up this false dichotomy. It, he, he what he keeps claiming is either we pulled out the way, manner in which he's chose to pull out, or we have a forever war. Right. And there are, there's a whole range of options in that in, in between those two poles that that we could have we could have done uh, that would have would have not led to the 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 you know the situations that we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, just the amount of equipment that we left behind that yeah. that is the that is a clear sign, a clear indication that this was not well planned or thought out. He just rushed it for whatever stupid reason he had, uh, whatever the reason was, it wasn't justified by what it ended up happening. Well, man, you know, and plus, we have 250. And can we talk just a second about why people are worried about the dogs that could have potentially be left behind when we left human beings behind? Yeah, like there I are people who are too, all up in arms yeah. about oh, there are dogs in cages in Afghanistan that we left behind. It's like, what about the human beings that we left yeah. behind? Where's the outrage for them? Why are you all fired up about some dogs? I mean, my, I'm a dog lover and I love my dog. If my dog's over there, I'd probably go to Afghanistan and get him come bring home. But they, we left human beings there. And my, I mean, that the is thing, the indication of a failed exit strategy. The, the thing about the dogs, I, I think has been I think has been disproven um, because it's my understanding was they were, they were, but they had to have the people were, the point was the people were, up, were up in arms about it. We're yes. up in arms about it. Right. It's like, that's it, true. As if that was more important than the human beings that we left behind. Right. No, like, no, because I, we actually did leave human beings behind. No. And, no, right. and people aren't posting about it. They're posting about, Oh, the dog stories debunked. Like who cares? No, but the, the fact that here, here's the thing that I, I've been sort of wrestling with um, because uh, back, back during the, or prior to the first, I think 
So Democrats retake the House in January 2019. Uh, I ended up writing a paper with former Congressman Bob Barr, who you guys know was an impeachment manager during the Clinton impeachment. Uh, We wrote a paper about impeachment and and history and practice. Uh, uh, It was a FreedomWorks Foundation publication. And my side of the paper was largely the the past, how it had been utilized in the past, because through the Johnson impeachment and the Clinton impeachment, Bob filled in a lot of details in terms of like how it should be done or how it should be viewed now and what's proper and what's improper. There was one particular, there's one particular issue that, that, that I sort of wrestled with in the, pro, in the process of writing this paper is that I don't believe a president shouldn't be impeached for policy differences. Right. So there, there's policy differences. Right. I disagree with the withdrawal from Afghanistan. Therefore he should be impeached. That is in my opinion, improper. Right. Incompetence yeah, is no, where, season, yeah, right. Because if you if you go back but and look maladministration, at, I guess maladministration the is, is the yeah. is the proper. Because I believe, if I recall correctly, Blackstone talked about because a lot of what we base impeachment on is based is based on English common law, and a lot of Blackstone's commentaries. And Blackstone talks about how mal, uh, maladministration is a proper use of impeachment. Yeah. And so, you you look at you look at that, and you're like, ah. You might have a case. I don't know. I personally don't think impeachment is warranted, but that doesn't mean there's not a case for maladministration. Right. And, yeah. and, and the reason I say I don't think impeachment is warranted is because I don't know. I, I, I tend to agree that this happens so fast and so quickly that, that it, it, what, whether, it, whether there were warning signs, take that to the side for a second. And intelligence right. assessments, things like that. Take that to the side for a second. This did happen very fast and very quick. Yeah. Uh, whether the administration now, if there, if those briefings were credible, and uh, the you know, because initially it was like three to six months or whatever it was. I don't remember. I think three months was what what they were saying, sixty to ninety days. Um, that, and then it they, then they kept reassessing and then said, oh, this is going to fall in two weeks. If nobody was paying attention to those warnings, that is maladministration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and uh, you right. You make a great point, Jason. And I think um, you know our stupid political times. There have been already editorials saying, "Well, Republicans are trying to cheapen, uh, uh, you know, ch- you know, cheapen uh, the whole impeachment process." When we just went through, we impeached a guy twice for, you know. <laughs> now, now, maybe you, know, you can debate the merits of that, but I mean, you impeached the president twice about that. I, I think the so, first. And, I think and, the, fir- the, the dis- first. The first one, I think, was was not warranted. Yeah. The second one, I. But the discussion, was. but the discussion by a lot of Democrats at the time was, well, impeachment is really whatever Congress decides it is. It would, uh, you know, at a certain level, is too be true because it's it is a political process. That's right. But no, I think you're you're right, Jason. And 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 part of the problem here is, um, you know, one, you know, is that, uh, yes, it did happen quickly, and we can criticize a, a lot of things that have happened, but the end result is not known. You know, we, the end result of all of this is not known. There are still Americans there. Yes, that is that is dangerous, and that is. But but I happen to I'm here at this the State Policy Network conference in Orlando, a bunch of state-based think tanks, and uh, Congressman Palmer from uh, from Alabama is here, and I, I happen to be talking with him. And I, I don't this is I don't think this is off the records. I don't think he'd mind me sharing this, but he was telling me telling us a little group of us who were talking to him about. Private entities all across the United States, mostly comprised of former military guys who served, men and women who served in Afghanistan, who are uh, raising money 
on their own, organizing trips over to the region to try to rescue Americans who are there and uh, Afghani folks who they worked with who are still there. So, you know, yes, maladministration on the part of, of President Biden, his administration, but the American people, it seems, are stepping up to try to fill in the gap. Yeah. And, and I pray to the Lord that they are successful and that the, the worst fears that I and many, and I'm sure all of us have of just endless murders and killings doesn't come about because these people are stepping up. Uh, our brave women, men and women who uh, veterans are, are stepping up and the American people are stepping up to help fund these, these enterprises. We saw the story uh, last week, I guess it was, of a group of retired folks, uh, retired veterans who just went over there and said, this is what we're doing. We're going over this place to rescue these people. And they did it and they were successful. Uh, I think we're going to hear a lot of those kinds of stories. There are private groups who are, you know, there's a lot of concern in the Christian community about churches that were popped up in Afghanistan who uh, are now, the, those folks are in danger. So there's efforts to try to get them out. So I, I think we're going to hear a lot of stories like that. And so back to the original point, the end result of, of, of this maladministration is not yet known. And so if, if the number of deaths is minimal and small, as tragic as they all are, you know, does, does that rise to the level of impeachment? And would a Democratic-run Congress then want to, talk, want to impeach a president of their own party nah. when we don't yet know the full outcome? They're not going to. There's nothing that that would be bad enough for them to take action on this. And I and I'm not sold that it's the appropriate thing to do. Just I mean, it, this was a policy decision. It led to to people potentially dying. I'm sure we'll hear about those stories in the coming days, and we'll be praying for those um, for those Americans stuck over there who wanted to come home and couldn't, especially yeah. those with extended families who couldn't get their families out and were tough, made, faced with a tough decision of either leaving. Uh, their family behind or staying. Um, and I mean, what a, what a false choice that is. And to say, yeah. you know, it, it, I, if you're listening to this podcast right now, this is the question I want you to ponder at what time in your lifetime has a president made a more grievous error that put more Americans in harm than this? That's the question that I want you to ponder at what time during your lifetime, possibly in American history, but during your lifetime specifically, has an American president made decisions that put more Americans in harm than this guy right now? Yeah. So it's like, I think, I don't know. I mean, it's this whole conversation. I think this is really fascinating. And, and I don't think, that, you know, Scott's right. I don't think that there are not any Democrats who are going to vote, even if Republicans had the majority. Yeah. You know, they might impeach him. I think there are Republicans who might be resistant. To impeaching yeah. Biden over this, um, I don't. So it, it but even on, on the Senate side, there are no Democrats. Like you need sixty-seven votes to convict. Yeah. You, you're not. You're not going to get that. And you know, if we were a year down the line, I could see the cabinet making a twenty-sixth amendment type of play, uh, but it's too early for that. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a really it's a really weird it's a really weird situation. Because because I, I think at the end of the day, if you and we've talked, I think we talked about this last week. The polling says Americans, by and large, agree with withdrawal. Yeah, it's how it was done yeah. that they have a problem with. Is how and and that's the thing is like you know because I, I always get um, I always get really 
always laugh a little when I hear politicians talk about what the American people, American people want. It's just like, cause you know, cause it's the American people like McCarthy can say all day long, uh, talk about what the American people want. They want it out of Afghanistan. 20 years is too long. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it is time for us to get out. Um, I, 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 I tend to insist that what happened was always going, not necessarily like this, like everything, the totality of everything that happened, but the end result, the Taliban retaking control of the country, I think was always going to happen. Well, but not with American arms, not with Americans still there. These are the things that we're upset about. And And I know my Republican friends will get pissed off at the Trump loving Republican friends get pissed off at this, but the moment that Trump decided to negotiate American exit with the Taliban, you sealed Afghanistan's fate. So I, I'm not as pessimistic about it as you are, Jason. I think that there could have been a, a, a scenario by which the Taliban didn't take over. But the moment you start negotiating with them to and not negotiating with the, with the government that we helped uh, come to power, you sealed Afghanistan's fate. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, we, we're going to move on. Um... Do you guys have any, any final words on this topic? Is it like I, I have a feeling that this topic is going to probably come up off and on for the next. Yeah. Uh, I'll just say to, 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 to quote uh, Emmett Terrell, the American Spectator, that the crisis continues and that will continue. It will continue for a long time. So uh, you're right. Uh, and moving on to the next topic. Kelly Leffler's Greater Georgia is in the midst of a red belt blitz uh, because I ran late getting home today. Sorry, uh, guys, I uh, for being late, I decided to go to Guitar Center. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and no, no shame in that. Uh, I I was I was fiddling around with a three thousand dollar guitar before I came to my senses and decided not to buy it. So I, <laughs> I didn't get a chance to look into this one before before when I got the agenda from you guys. So I will leave it to y'all to uh, explain. So Kelly Leffler's uh, Greater Georgia Group, if you're not familiar, after Kelly Leffler lost her senatorial reelect election, she started a group focused on engaging in Republican races and also creating uh, Republican-focused voter registration drives. And the, the Red Belt is basically the northern arc around the metro area in Atlanta, where we see heavy Republican turnout, Forsyth County, Cherokee County. Uh, and for, she sent out a press release today indicating that uh, this is where some of the areas where they're focusing and then giving some examples. So she's going into heavily Republican area areas and registering voters and and spending her own money to do so, by the way. She's she's not right fundraised a lot. I spoke with her Monday about some other things. She mentioned that you know she's self-funding this uh, effort and she's attempting to keep pace with Stacey Abrams efforts around the, the blue side of voter registration. And thank God she's doing that because we've already seen some fruits of her labor. The Devin Seaball race to replace Burt Reeves was the first one where she really was tested. And they are uh, doing a pretty good job based upon that result. Yeah, Buzz, you got anything awesome. you wanna add? Well, I, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat as you, Jason. I hadn't, I hadn't seen it, but uh, I, I applaud her efforts because I, I think that's one thing that Republicans have kind of uh, retreated uh, an area of the uh, political battlefield that Republicans have retreated from, and that's um, you know what, it's it's more than just registering voters. When, when you go to talk to people and um, try to get them to register your vote, you're also talking to them about ideas 
and about uh, political philosophy. And, and so carrying that message to a group of voters that Republicans have, may have uh, ignored in the past is, is a great idea. And it's the only way that if this state is going to become fully blue and, uh, instead of uh, you know, staying red or being purple, uh, then, then you know, center-right groups are going to have to engage this, in kind of this kind of activity. So I applaud uh, former Senator Leffler for doing this. The, the question, the question I have in terms of in terms of Greater Georgia, and 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 I am not trying to make accusations here. I am simply wondering out loud, Scott, before you jump down my throat, is this going to be the the same populist nonsense that she was pushing when she was in the United States Senate, or is this going to be uh, actually a a a friendlier version of conservatism that is grounded in actual like actual real policy? like good conservative policy she's not talking policy period as the answer to your question you know sir the the she's focused on voter turnout get out the vote efforts and voter registration that's her primary focus in greater georgia so there there are no policy positions that that they have taken you know what was alarming to her and to her team afterwards were the 339,000 republicans who didn't turn out in the second election during the runoff and where did those voters go and so, yeah. you know, there are data analysts who are really, really well plugged in, who I've been speaking with, who are talking about, you know, uh, for example, and I'm writing a blog post about this for Peach Pun. It'll be out probably early next week as I get all the data together. Th- where about these 30, 339,000 people, you know, where did they go and how do we get them back? And the truth is that when we, we start looking at the data, you know, three to 4% of them uh, are coming back. And somebody's going to have to go talk to the other 95% of them and try to get them to, to re-engage. Otherwise, the state is not purple. It is blue. Yeah. And, and that's what her effort is. It's not around policy. It's around purely political. It's purely political. It's purely a machine to register new Republican voters who haven't been engaged, get them engaged, and then go and re-engage the ones who have left. Okay. Makes, no, it makes sense. I mean, it, it makes sense. But if it, that, yeah, makes sense. I just, it's hard to, it's hard to see. It's for me, it's really hard to see her getting new voters, attracting new voters to the party without actual policy positions, even if they're watered down to the point where it's like, well, we believe that's, that's, that's not up to her, right? Her, her, what she's trying to do is, is get the voters to come. It's up to the candidates themselves to make that message. And she, she can't run in every race, right? She can't be a House District 34's candidate. So she needs somebody there who can pick up that mantle and run with it. And then she's there with some resources to help them get, get elected. That's yeah, I, what I, it is. I, 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 I follow what you're saying. My, my point is, my point is if you're not, if you're, if you're, I guess what I'm saying is like, if you're, if you are only backing, if you're backing specific candidates rather than specific principles, it's, it's just, I don't know. I don't know. I see how it makes sense, but I also don't, it's hard to explain. Uh, it's, it's, it's hard for me to explain because I, I think that if your goal is to make the Republican party more appealing, there has to be some core principles that you're trying to sell. That's up to the candidates is what I'm saying. I agree with you, but I don't think it's her role. I think, well, let me answer this, Scott is, is, I mean, I think buzz, buzz, I think buzz sees what I'm trying to say. Yeah. You you can go. I mean, if you're Kelly Leffler and and greater Georgia is is, purports to be a center right group, that's going to try to help advance the Republican cause, 
then they're they're not just blindly uh, registering voters, right? They're seeking out people who they think might be uh, more more uh, agreeable to the Republican message, right? I mean, that's that's otherwise then you know, yes, it that's true. The purpose to, yeah, look so, at the areas. So that's to, what the Red Belt Blitz is about. It's about yeah, targeting so you, Republican areas. Yeah. So so you you come with a generic Republican. I think that's maybe what Jason's saying. If I'm hearing you right, Jason. There has to be some sort of generic Republican message. You know, do you believe in in free markets, uh, lower taxes, and limited and, government, uh, limited government, etc.? Um, so, if if she sticks to that, if if her message, if the Greater Georgia message is, do you believe the 2020 election was stolen? Uh, register to vote here, then that's that's not going to be a message that's going to help the Republican Party. Is well, that a crude it, way it of would. What you're talking about, I, I would disagree with that. From a pure number standpoint, you're saying the, it better than I was saying it. That's for damn. If sure. there are 339,000 people who left because they thought the election was stolen, go get them back, and that's that's the mission, and that's what it's going to take for for somebody to stand there in front of them to say that. Somebody's going to say that to try to get them to come back. I don't I don't know that I believe. I mean, and I haven't seen the data, uh, but I don't I don't know that I believe that there were that many people who didn't show up because they believe the election was stolen. I, and I'm not, I'm not saying I'm just, I'm just saying, I want to see the data, like proof, like show. I mean, I, it's just hard for me to believe there are that many. And I'm not saying you're wrong. Well, or I'm not saying, I'm not saying, I'm not saying anybody's no, lying. I'm just saying that I don't know. I didn't say that there are 339,000 people who did, thought the election was stolen, didn't show up. I said there were 339,000 Republicans who didn't show up yeah. and there is a no, difference. That's, that's what I'm saying. I mean, like, yeah. so there's a, there's a that is, that's a real number. Yeah. I mean, you can look at that yourself. Uh, really quickly and look up how many people voted Republican and how many people voted Republican the second time. Yeah, and the I Delta is 339,000. I, 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 like I said, I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong and I'm not saying I don't believe you. I just haven't seen this myself. So that's all I'm saying. Sure. So just, so, just text, it, text it to me after we do the podcast. because I, I, I For anybody that wants to go look, look at the Ballotpedia numbers and this is what they are. Because uh, again, I'm working on this as a as a um, and then read Scott's post and share with all your friends on Peach. Yeah, exactly. So essentially, there were the the Delta two hundred and twenty two million point two point two eight nine million people voted the first time around for for Warnock two point one nine five million voted for the second time, and then it drops down three hundred thirty nine thousand from there the second time around. Yeah. So I mean that's. That's it. I mean, the, the, the numbers so the, are straight so off the, the Secretary, of Web, Secretary, Secretary of State's website. So the challenge for Republicans, I mean, which is what great, I guess, circling back, which is what Greater Georgia is trying to address. How many of those people, I mean, you always you, you generally have a drop off between uh, a, a general election and a runoff. Uh, there's there's always fewer people. So how many of them chose to do that because they threw up their hands and said, I, for, for a variety of reasons, you know, uh, I, I can't vote for a Republican and for either of these two Republicans anymore. And that's, that's the danger part for the Republican Party. What, what was it because they, you know, some of them, Scott, you know, will have, will have be doing that because Donald Trump told them the election was rigged. And those were Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yeah. And so, and some of those people will be because I didn't like Kelly Leffler. Kelly Leffler stands for this, and I didn't like that. I, you know, or uh, David Perdue did this, and I didn't like that. And those are, and it's it's a particular importance because, you know, to Scott's original point, 
uh, Brian Kemp uh, wants to win. And if, if, if we start 300,000, if the, if Brian Kemp starts with 300,000 people who have disappeared, thrown, thrown up their hands and said, I'm not voting for a Republican, uh, that that's going to be incredibly difficult, whether he's facing Stacey Abrams or another Democrat uh, and uh, right. Herschel Walker uh, or Gary Black or or whoever, uh, you know, Sadler or, or uh, King, who becomes the nominee to challenge Warnock. They've got to have those votes. And so it's it's a it's a particular challenge for the Republican Party. And, and you know, at least Leffler's out there trying to do something about it. So right. you met, you mentioned you mentioned Herschel Walker uh, and uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I am triggered. Um, so Vernon Jones did something stupid, but I repeat myself. Uh, Vernon Jones uh, is is claiming that Herschel Walker has endorsed him for governor of Georgia. Well, well, I, I don't know if you could see it or not. Uh, but there's there's the photo of you know he he essentially uh, the story goes that Vernon sees. Herschel having dinner with his wife at Chops, which is a swanky steakhouse in Buckhead. And he goes over and he says, hey, can we get a photo? And Herschel being Herschel, yeah, sure. And then the next day, uh, the, the, the former state representative, Vernon Jones, says it's going to be a fight to take back Georgia. Who better ally than Herschel Walker, labeling him an ally? We're going to take it to the rhinos in 2022. <laughs> we're going to take down those liberals as well. <laughs> oh my god he's he's been a republican for two minutes <laughs> well good and also and like if there is if there is a right yeah if there is a rhino like i can't think of someone better than vernon jones like come on it's the very definition of a rhino a guy who's, who's been there for five minutes and i've i used to i used to i used to 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 use that term a lot and god i am so sorry for my past usage of it <laughs> I like, prefer battle unicorn. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's just, it's so uh, Greg Bluestein, um, our good friend, but let's spread Greg Bluestein of the AJC uh, clarified, uh, know that picture with her, with Herschel Walker and Vernon Jones wasn't an endorsement. Hilariously folks close to Walker says uh, Jones quote ambush uh, the Senate candidate at chop steakhouse. Uh, but Herschel also isn't backing his old pal Brian Kemp either. So, well, uh, uh, when, which is smart politics 101. If you have a race that's contested in yourself, you don't get in other contested races. Yeah, that's correct. No. I mean, it's so maybe Herschel's learned at least the first lesson of politics and good for him for, for not engaging in other races. <laughs> but that being said, uh, geez, I mean, it's just a faked endorsement is really what it is. You know, he's claiming Herschel as an ally and he didn't back down. He doubled down on Twitter today. You know, he called, he called the AJC, the Atlanta urinal and constipation um, <laughs> in, in a tweet that follows up uh, saying that, you know, that they're afraid of two black men running through the Republican party. Uh, and, and, and it was like, man, the classic Vernon Jones, right? Just, you know, all piss and vinegar, and anger and you know over something that he did right it's like the ultimate <laughs> gaslight situation he did but he it fight, but he's going to make you fights. feel bad for pointing out his error but he fights he fights but he fights uh, yeah Vernon jones you are precious you are precious <laughs> oh, Ble- bless your heart good um, times <laughs> um so, uh. so uh I, I, I feel like I screwed up, not, not screwed up. 
I feel like I, I stepped in a hornet's nest on Facebook a couple nights ago. Um, I got, oh, pissed, you do? I, I got pissed off and you got pissed off. I got pissed off. How high was the threshold? I got pretty pissed off. <laughs> so I'm shocked. I can't believe it. I, uh, let me read what I, what I wrote real fast and I, I have to go, I'll have to go pull it up. Uh, but it was related to COVID-19 and pandemic woes. <laughs> and this is what I wrote. According to the Georgia Department of Public Health, 4.4 million Georgians are fully vaccinated as of August 24th. Of those, more than 25,000 have tested positive for COVID-19, which is less than one half of, uh, excuse me, it's it's right at one half of 1%. And 1,000 have been hospitalized for any reason, not limited to COVID-19, which is 0.02%. And only 168 uh, 168 people have died. That's 0.00%. I keep seeing posts uh, about absolutely absurd ideas to mitigate, mitigate symptoms of COVID. Some of them would be hilarious if so many people weren't falling victim to this utter nonsense. Literally, there are people promoting a horse dewormer, an actual horse dewormer. Uh, oddly enough, the very people promoting this, these cockamamie ideas are overwhelmingly older, evangelical, and quote-unquote conservative, whatever that term means these days. Going back to last year, uh, 16,474 people in Georgia who have died from COVID-19 are over the age of 60. That's 84% of all confirmed COVID-19 deaths. Some of y'all are playing with your own lives. And look, I realize the world has seemingly been on fire since March of 2020, but have you lost your minds? Uh, Certainly not everyone can take the vaccine because of pre-existing conditions. Sure, I get that. But please don't become one of the people who could get vaccinated, but doesn't only to regret it it later. I'm not telling you what to do, but I hope you'll get vaccinated if you are already. Uh, I was almost ratioed on this. I have 112 likes and 111 comments. and uh with people well, quick with, let me run a write, write a comment real fast so you can get ratioed uh please, <laughs> please please don't um so basically the point i'm trying to make is and this is spurred and and i haven't said this uh and this was spurred by a post the previous day from my mother who who said that she was taking uh the horse dewormer uh whether it's i think it was the human version of it uh so it's not the actual horse dewormer but um and, and saying that she was using it as a treatment for COVID. And sure enough, uh, yesterday, uh, she was diagnosed with COVID for the second time. Now, my mom is 68 years old. She has chronic bronchitis. Uh, and uh, I'm very nervous about this situation. Yeah. Especially considering I lost my father um, 28 years ago next week. Mm, man. So, and I'm a little angry. Uh, because I feel that people who are there, people keep saying there are studies that show this works. No, the fuck they're not. And I'm, and I'm sorry, I'm I'm sorry for using strong language, but, uh, there has been one peer reviewed study, uh, double blind study that shows that there are no significant benefits from using it. And there's a meta-analysis of 14 other studies that show there is no benefit to using it. At, the, at best, there is a placebo effect, which you believe that it works. Um, and people, Georgia now is up to an all-time high in COVID hospitalizations uh, as of last Friday. Uh, we are getting close to surpassing our peak for daily cases. Uh, and I have a feeling that September is going to be a very bad month in the state of Georgia. So the AJC has, has done an op-ed urging people to get vaccinated. 
three of the op-ed above everything above the headline above everything on their paper it was the very first thing you saw above the fold uh i commend the ajc for doing this and the three of us are vaccinated i've been vaccinated since april going on five months now i don't i don't know how long scott and buzz have been vaccinated but i think we all got vaccinated roughly the same time no i I waited you waited Got got my second shot in april so but you are vaccinated correct scott Yes, I am yeah, fully okay. vaccinated. Um, and uh, we, I think there are mutual people we mutually know who are, who have, who had either uh, are dealing with serious cases of COVID. Uh, and, and I have just learned of people who, I mean, I don't, I don't know anyone directly who has died from COVID, but I know of people who have lost people from COVID. Yeah. And I know someone who's died. There are, for those of you who are promoting I said this in a comment on my Facebook post, like this is, this is getting personal to me uh, because I live through, we all live through 9-11 conspiracy theories. Obama was born in Kenya conspiracy theories, the birth, the birther conspiracy theories. We've lived, obviously lived through most recently the conspiracy theory related to the 2020 presidential election. A lot of this, this may not be the same, but it's coming from the same place. And I realize you think you're sticking it to the man by saying you're not going to get vaccinated. You hate big pharma. You hate whomever. You hate Joe Biden. He's promoting the vaccine. You hate the Atlanta Journal-Constitution because they're promoting the vaccine. You're, you, may make, you may feel edgy and cool and hip by saying these things, but you're a fool. If you can get vaccinated, get vaccinated. And if you're promoting these conspiracy theories, in my opinion, and I'm not speaking for Buzz and Scott, but in my opinion, you have blood on your hands. So I'll step off my soapbox and let Scott and Buzz talk. Well, um, go ahead, go ahead, Scott. I, I would just look, man. I know it's personal to you, and I can feel yeah. the pain in your voice as you speak. Yeah. Um, and the long. concern for your mother, especially. Yeah. You know, um. At the end of the day, the people who make these decisions are the ones who are responsible for it, and we can't blame others when if if i made the decision to use ivermectin as opposed to go and get it my pfizer shot that that's on me that's my responsibility uh, that's a decision that i made you know and that's the that's the you know and i know that's not helpful to you right now but i don't think it helps anybody i don't think it helps anybody to tell them they have blood on their hands it's not motivating them to go get the shot i'm not it's saying not. it is i'm not saying it is i think but, i, I and just a quick response to that, and I'll give you back the floor. Sure. Um, I think in the, the the this the political environment we're in right now, where we're skeptic, like I'm a skeptic, and you guys have known me long enough to know that I am I am fiercely independent. Yeah. <laughs> to, to true. Well, yeah. Fact check. True. Point, Jay, I mean, you 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 posted the uh, you know the temporary little ring around your face in in on uh, Facebook. I did too. I almost got ratioed for that. And it, it said, I, I have a healthy distrust of authority and I'm vaccinated. And that uh, almost got me ratioed. Uh, so, yeah. I think I did get ratioed and, and I didn't care because but, but, it was true. Yeah. My, 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 <laughs> well, yeah, it is true. And, but my, and, and well, as I, as I pointed out to someone, like I have, utter, they didn't make one that said I had, a, I have utter, utter attempt for uh, authority, uh, other, <laughs> other, uh, utter contempt for authority. Sorry, I can't talk today. Other, utter contemporary authority. My point is saying that was, um, we are, we are in a, we are in a place right now where um, 
where people are so distrustful of media because of what, yes. they, see, what they see of unfair reporting yes. on Donald Trump and so on, that they are turning yes. to these alternative websites. Yes. And, and, and there's, it's in, in what, what Kellyanne Conway will, would call alternative facts. And people, because it, it's, it's that sort of confirmation bias type mindset where you don't trust, you don't trust the mainstream media, but you trust other conservatives. Therefore you believe other, other, other conservatives therefore, uh, and you don't believe they would lie to you. That's it. You're hitting on what, what I want to want to, what I want to finish on, which is who do you trust? And the, the, the media, again, look at Don Lemon and his coverage of Afghanistan. You know, he, he's become an apologist for the Biden administration. We're not going to look at Don Lemon and say, we're going to listen to that guy, especially when it gets all condescending about how stupid we are. You know, uh, you, you just now, I think, damage the cause, to be honest. You know, and I, this is friendly conversation, okay? I'm not, I'm not trying to be in your face or mean, but when you say somebody has blood on their hands, that doesn't help get people to go get their shot. It just doesn't. We are part of the media because we're blogging. We're not trustworthy. The Buzz and I were in the government. That makes us not trustworthy. And we, you have to go and find the people that you trust. It can't be somebody random on the internet. It has to go, go talk to your doctor and talk to them and, and let them tell you what's happening. Because here in Cherokee County, let me give you a fact. Cherokee County Northside Hospital is about full. 90% of their COVID patients are unvaccinated. Yeah. And that tells you that you have a better chance if you get the shot than if you go unvaccinated with this thing. And that's true in every, probably in every hospital in this country of, of the COVID patients. So. And, and so you, we can't be preachy and tell people you need to go do this. We, we, the best we can do is say, look, I hold myself up as an example. I don't have any extra appendages growing. I'm not picking up 5G. Uh, the, uh, as far as I know, the only thing tracking me is my iPhone as I move around the world. That's just because Bill Gates hadn't told you that yet. So. Right, yeah. I haven't gotten, or maybe just I kidding. dreamt that it, it wasn't true because he, he programmed that in there. I don't know, right? The, the reality of it is 164 million people have gotten this shot and there are no adverse effects long-term. You know, there, there, there are some very minor stuff that happens here and there, but overall your, your survivability goes way up if you have it. That, and, and we can only show ourselves as examples of that and say, look, I did it and I'm safe and I, I'm not, I'm nothing weird is happening. My personality hasn't changed. I'm still grumpy in the mornings until I've had my third cup. You know what I'm saying? So th that's the, if we're going to appeal to people, what the AJC did was it was admirable in, in trying to say this is really the most important issue of our day, even though there's all this other stuff happening. But we have to ask people to go talk to their doctors and have a one-to-one -one conversation with somebody you can trust who's actually medically trained. Yeah. That's the way we're going to get people to get shots. We're not going to guilt them into it. It's just not going to happen. No, I mean, look, I'm, I'm, and, and I'm admittedly being a little emotional here, but at the same time, like, I do believe that. And, you know, if I'm harming the cause, I, if one person goes and gets vaccinated based on the words I said, that's to me a victory, but that's just my two cents. Buzz? Yeah, I, I think uh, it, it's, I, I've had a lot of emotions about all of this because, um, you know, as you guys know, 
uh, eight, nine weeks ago now, I, I spent a week in the hospital with blood clots, um, D DVT, deep, deep vein thrombosis on my leg, which, and uh, pulmonary embolism, small, small clots in both my lungs. And, um, you know, I, I asked a lot, I asked my doctors a lot of questions and I still do. Um, I, I've, I've since done reading on, and yeah, it's on the internet, but I, I'm seeking out, you know, play, websites like John Hopkins University and, uh, you know, places like that, that, and, and reading lots of sources, uh, trying to, trying to sort out what's reputable and what not reputable. And I know, that, you know, there, there are people on the, uh, on Facebook who speculated that because I got the vaccine back in April and there are, look, there, there, you know, there are studies that show that, uh, and one of the one of the doctors I talked with talked about this with me that when you get a vaccine, there is a you slightly raise your risk of getting uh, getting blood clots. Uh, when you drive in a car a long distance, which I did, you slightly raise your risk of getting clots. When you fly in an airplane, there's a greater risk uh, of getting getting clots. I did all three of those things in a six week period. It's possible that the vaccine contributed to that. However, uh, I, I, I don't regret, um, you know, maybe, maybe if I'd been better informed, I would have done things differently that might've helped prevent my clots, but I don't regret getting the vaccine because, um, while the, while the, the people who die, uh, from COVID is, is a small percentage, it's, it's still, uh, a lot higher percentage than, uh, uh, than people who, uh, you know, who, who, uh, you know, did the things that I did that may have may have contributed to me getting a blood clot. So, but I, but you know, all of that is, is aside. So I, I, I I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm careful about how I approach all of this because of what I've what I've gone through. But I think you know, there's a, there's a larger issue at play. I think uh, I stumbled across a TV show the other night on on the Vice Network uh, called The Dark Side of the '90s, and they were talking about you know conspiracy theories that existed in the 90s and 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 weird cults that took place and you, you know the, the heaven's gate people which all committed suicide and the uh, before that the um uh david koresh and his the branch davidians who you know doomsday cult who you know and their lives ended tragically with with a lot of help from the government by the way but all of that was going on there, there were conspiracy there you know there's a long tradition of conspiracy theories in america and, uh, and really across the world but it's been amped up uh, by by social media. It's so easy to spread it. There's, you know, the the the, the internet has made any every, any and every opinion available. And this is not a blame the social media. You know, it's not social media's fault necessarily. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I, I guess my point is, you have all that happening. We have we have a decades long trend in the United States of of distrust. In institutions and institutions have broken trust with with us, and that's been amplified during this pandemic. Uh, you know, I mean, Dr. Fauci, quite frankly, has broken trust with the American people because he's he's just been all over the map with all sorts of information and um, conflicting so, information. Yeah, yeah, and it's you know, I, I don't know how we get out of this, and I don't know how it improves, but there's just we're, we're headed really down dangerous. A dangerous path in all sorts of ways with with distrust of institutions uh, and you know how we I, I think back to a book that uh, Yuval Levin wrote uh, maybe last year maybe it's 2019 
he calls it a time to build, where he, he talks about this. I guess it's pre-pandemic. This is probably the end of 2019 when he wrote this book. And, and if you listen to Yuval speak, he talks a lot about this. We've really got to devote a lot of time and effort in the United States to rebuilding our institutions. Yeah. Because, uh, and now I, I think, you know, how I think about this in relation to what we're all talking about here, it can be deadly. This lack of trust in institution can be deadly. And Scott, you're right, people should go talk to their doctors, but guess what? Fewer and fewer people trust the opinion of their doctors uh, when it comes to this, when it comes to the, their health. And that, that, that puts people in dangerous positions and costing people lives. So I, you know, mm. I don't know the answer to this, but I 100% I, I agree with you all of in that we have to rededicate ourselves. And I think as conservatives, and people on the center right who, uh, you know, we believe in the value of institutions in, in creating a free and civil, uh, valuable civil society. We have to have strong institutions in order for that to happen. We, uh, we've got to rededicate ourselves to that cause of rebuilding the institutions so that they are trustworthy. Right. And so, and, and so you know, I, uh, I don't know what else to say other than that. And I, uh, you know... I, I got in trouble on that post that I referenced earlier because at one point I said, listen, if 30% of America, if 30% of adults are just going to flat out refuse to get vaccinated, then guess what? This, this virus is not going to go away and more people will die. Yeah. And uh, you know, I had some strong uh, pushback from that from folks, but, uh, and, and, you know, I, I would, I guess I should, I admitted that I should have modified that statement by, by saying, understand people who, who got COVID uh, have uh, you know, has developed an immunity uh, to it, which will help them. Uh, so maybe 30% is not the right number, it's fewer who are going to be continuing to spread this virus, but it's going to be a significant chunk of Americans who are going to be vulnerable to this. Uh, and that's going to linger on longer than it should. The thing that got me, and, and uh, we have a couple other topics, so I'm not going to harp on this much longer, but the thing that got me was the number of people who kept saying back, well, you, are you surely you're not talking about the human version of ivermectin. It's like, yeah. Okay. Sure. I'm aware that the, the human the human form of this drug exists, but it doesn't change the fact that people are literally going to f like feed stores or or like you know the, this happened. The, the, this this has happened, and they're they're actually taking the horse version of this and yeah. digesting it. Poison control calls have gone up in Texas and in Nevada. Uh, because people are ODing on iver on yeah. the the animal version of ivermectin, which is highly concentrated, yeah. and it causes it causes sickness and possibly even death. So, if 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 the conspiracy, I call this a conspiracy theory, this junk science, uh, didn't you 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 can't say ignore that and focus only on the human form when this other stuff is happening because people are actually believing the shit you're saying. Yeah. You know, and that's that's pretty much that. Scott, you got anything else you want to add before we move on? No, I've I've said what I need to. I love you, Scott. <gasps> <laughs> now we got to make a list of things that Jason loves, and one of and I'm on the list. That's amazing. I mean, you, you are right now. Uh, <laughs> like, let's be, now. let's be clear. I didn't ask if you want to go get gay married or anything like that. So. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Uh, so Stacey Abrams wants to be president when she grows up. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, so, in an interview recently, Stacey, in, 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 interview, in an interview recently, Stacey Abrams was asked about her future electoral plans. Uh, she said she hadn't made any decisions on on thing, uh, on what she wants to do next, only that she wants to run for run for president at some point in time. Uh, and as uh, from my perspective, you need some executive experience to be president. It's hard to be a jump from state representative. Even Obama was a state a senator before he became uh, president in between. He was a senator between being a state senator and president. Um, so uh, it would be he runs really a multi-million dollars. She runs an, she runs an organization that's raised one hundred million dollars. So there's your executive experience. That's that's executive experience. But, you know, she is she's playing to the margin. She's not playing to independent voters. Uh, it's it's a hell of a transition to go from from messaging to progressive voters and, and progressive get out the vote efforts and trying to message more towards independence, which, you know, she she has run for office before. But let's keep in mind, she lost close race, but she lost. So she's going to have to figure out how to how to moderate herself in a general election where she can be appealing to more towards these independent voters who might not who might not otherwise be attracted to the far left message that she sends and yeah. jumping from from being a state representative the last time she actually governed a few couple of years ago or a few years ago at this point in time uh, to being a, a nonprofit CEO to running for president seems like one hell of a jump. Are you saying that maybe a run for governor would be more appropriate for her then? Is that what you're I am, I am not advocating for such a thing, but I am saying that that would it would it would make sense. Yeah. Well, I'm out there on that limb saying she won't run, but uh, that's yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I I I'm on the fence on whether or not she runs. To be honest, uh, based upon that, because I I think you're you have a point that she would need to have a, a stronger foundation of public service to run from, other than just the nonprofit world that she's coming from. Uh, she is not the best candidate in the world as, as it stands today. And I don't think that she could beat Brian Kemp in a reelect if she does decide to run for a whole host of reasons. Um, I just think it's, it's naked ambition that she is so blatantly saying, this is what I want to do with my life. I want to run for president of the United States. Even if I can't win in Georgia, I, I, you know, I, I, I can take this nationwide. I've never seen anybody also openly campaign to be a, a vice presidential nominee like she did as well. I mean, this is a human being who I, I believe has tied her, her personal self-worth into whatever title she can obtain through the elective process. And that's kind of sad. And I, I think she needs our prayer, you know, to be honest, that she could come to some sort of peace about her role in society. You know, it's, it's not like she hasn't done work uh, to advance her own causes. She doesn't need to be president of the United States to, to have been an accomplished human being. She already has reached that threshold. Um, but, um, you know, would it be interesting to see her run against somebody like Kamala Harris for the Democratic nominee and see them on stage debating? I would tune in for that because I'm a political junkie and I think it would be an interesting debate. Yeah, that it would be. And I, I don't think there's a lot to, to, to harp on here. It's just it's just an interesting comment, and it does raise more questions about her future, whether she's going to run, well, for, run for governor I, or not. I will say this. I, I think it kind of ties whether she runs, you know, if she doesn't run for governor and then does run for president, which she might. That's, a, that's an option laid out before her. I think it points to what I was saying earlier about the weakness of institutions. Uh, the institution, you know, you look, you look for example, at uh, you, you know, George Bush may not have been the greatest 
George H.W. Bush might not have been the best president that we had, but he had the he was perhaps the most accomplished person as he had a long resume. And, and those used to be the kinds of people that we considered for president of the United States, people who had demonstrated uh, leadership uh, skills in a wide variety of, uh, of, of formats. And now we're to the point of, uh, you know, where Donald Trump uh, ran and won. Uh, and sure, he was a businessman. He had some executive experience, but most of his fame came from being a reality TV star where he played a businessman. And, uh, you know, the, the, the fact that, you know, <laughs> that The Rock, as much as I, you know, uh, uh, you know, he's a fun dude and makes great movies, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the fact that when that, that The Rock throws out that, gee, I'd love to be president, maybe I'll run, and he's not laughed off the stage for that. Uh, I think it shows you where you, where where we well, are. I mean, well, Matthew McConaughey is another good example because yeah. he's he's considering a run against Greg Abbott. Matthew McConaughey. I mean, like yeah. for uh, everybody, by all accounts, a wonderful person, but yeah. but should not be an elected official. Uh, I'll throw one out for you. How about uh, a Heisman Trophy winning, national yeah. championship winning running back for the University of Georgia, running for the United States Senate? Exactly. And, and Buzz, you, you, your, your point about George H.W. Bush, I mean, I actually had to pull up his, his, his resume here, but I mean, he was a, he was a member of the House of Representatives, uh, served two terms, 10th ambassador of the United Nations, chairman of the Republican National Committee, liaison, uh, U.S. liaison office to the People's Republic of China, 11th director of Central Intelligence, 43rd vice president, and 41st president of the United States. That's yeah. a hell of a, that's a hell of a resume. But here's the thing here, the difference between Someone like George W. Bush, excuse me, George H. W. Bush, and and a Donald Trump is George H. W. Bush had developed a reputation as a statesman, yeah. And we frown upon statesmen in today's political yeah. environments. They do a statesman is a negative. You, you public service is frowned upon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and look, public service doesn't mean everything. Joe Biden was, you know, was yeah. was, a, was a was a senator. <laughs> For decades. Experience is not always, yeah. I mean, Joe Biden has a um, <laughs> a long history in government, and uh, he's turning out to be, you know, Mister Maladministration. Right. Yes, yeah. another another nail in the coffin of faith in yeah. institutions in America. Yep. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, and Buzz, like you're exa- you're what you said about Fauci was absolutely right, and and and, and I don't know. I don't want to go back down that rabbit because I had a thought. It, it reminds that. me of that phrase, that great line from Animal House, you know, that 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 our fraternity has a long history of existence to its members. And that's, <laughs> that's what we're seeing here. Uh, we, these people have, you know, the, the, the kinds of folks that are rising to the top have, just have a long history of existence. Uh, they, they, they don't accumulate the skills and uh, they, they don't operate within the institution of government uh, with the with the purpose of doing the job of the government and if you, the, you're saying you're proper ta- job you're, you're talking this is my ultimately my argument against term limits and yeah. is is that you that there's uh that sort of uh muscle memory that comes out you know you, it's i don't think necessary i don't think serving in public office for 20 years is in and of itself necessarily a bad thing it's how you spend that 20 years, but that, you know, the reason, one of the reasons I think we have so many problems and I don't want to go completely revisit this topic as we close out that topic 15 minutes ago. And yeah. we, we have one more topic to get to before we call it a night. 
There's a theme I, running through this podcast. And, and I have another podcast to record tonight too. So, uh, but the, I, I, the reason we have my, and my, from my view, the reason we have so many problems in today's politics, the reason people are losing trust in, uh, in um, institutions, uh, well, the reasons is first of all, we, we, we look down upon people who have served in public office for, for some time. Sure, certainly, you know, someone who, I think John Dingle served in the House of Representatives for something like 40 or 50 years. That is ridiculously and absurdly, an absurdly long time. Um, and, you know, so maybe, maybe, maybe we, maybe we do term limits for someone, you know, who maybe 20 years is the cutoff, maybe 30 years is a cutoff. I don't know, but I don't think serving from like, I, you know, if you're a member of the House of Representatives, you know, the eight year proposal that I've seen, which is effectively four terms or 10 year proposal, which would be five terms. I don't like those things because it takes away so much institutional memory and it leads to the, there's this proclivity lately of more and more grifters getting elected yeah. to Congress who don't care about the institution. They care about raising money and spending that money when they leave Congress yeah. and, and, or, or, or building it's, their pro it's, it's a gig. It's a gig to it's build a, your, right. You know, to build your social media profile so to, that you can get a book deal or get a, a talk, a, a, a TV talk show. It's but part think, of your, you know, it becomes part of your brand basically. Yeah. And look, term, term limits. And I, I have supported term limits, I, I, but it's a reaction to frustration, to, to that breakdown in the institution. We can't, we have so many grifters and, and hangers on and people who don't do the job and we, but it, and it's increasingly difficult to unseat an incumbent. So what do you do? It becomes a reaction to the, la to the erosion of the institutions. That's really what term limits are. Yeah. Scott, I'm gonna give you the final word here because I wanna get to our last subject. Uh, what I'm hearing is that you're not opposed to term limits, just the, the number of years that it would require be required by it, you know, and here's as somebody who term limited themselves who believes in term limits so wholeheartedly that I cut my own public service off when I reached those four terms. I can tell you it had a lot of benefits for me. Uh, and, and the number one thing is the sense of urgency that it creates when you are when you know there's an end coming, regardless of whether you pick it or not you know that you have to work, you have to start solving these problems right away. There is no next year at a certain point in time, you have to fix these problems now. And it also frees you up to call out things within your own party when there's shenanigans, which I did on a regular basis. And that I think is part of what we need. We need that sense of urgency. We're not just here to, to run out the clock. We're not just here to, to be here, just to exist for our membership we're here to do something and we have a limited amount of time. So with that sense of urgency to fix the problems, to tackle the problems exists and it never goes away from the first day you're in office to the last. And that benefit, it over, overrides for me anything else that's a criticism of term limits because I lived through it and I saw it. I, I know how it changed my own personal behavior. And I, I would say that it's a good thing. So that's all I'm going to say about it. I was going to give you, I had one more thing to say, but I'm, I'm going to pass in, 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 in <laughs> keeping to give you the final word, but it's, it's a, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so last thing here, uh, former Cherokee County Sheriff Rich, uh, Roger Garrison has resigned from the Judicial Qualifications Committee because, according to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, a year, decades-old photo of him wearing a Ku Klux Klan robe and hood has resurfaced. Uh, Garrison was appointed to the JQC uh, in, on August 19th by uh, House Speaker David Ralston. 
Uh, and on th this is from the Atlanta Journal report on Thursday when the Atlanta Journal Constitution asked Ralston if it's, uh, Ralston's office if the speaker was aware of the past photo. Uh, the spokesman for Ralston did not answer the question. Uh, the quote from the spokesman was Sheriff Garrison has resigned from JQ, uh, JQC. Uh, the speaker will, will appoint a replacement as soon as practical. Uh, guys, that's bad. Well, I, I think and I'll, I'll, I'll defend the speaker here for a second because uh, Representative Tommy Benton has made, uh, he, he, he's a lost causer. He has made various statements and Speaker Ralston has moved quickly to remove him from leadership authority. So I can't- Before giving in, him in his no leadership way, authority back. That's eventually. true. That's yeah. true, but I, I can't imagine that this that the speaker's office had any knowledge of this uh, before that moment. So I, I knew, I knew about it, and I'll tell you why. Because when he ran for re-election in 2012, it became an election issue in Cherokee County, and it came out, and that he, you know, in 2012 we well, didn't have the, maybe the should have known. Maybe, you know, the, the speaker's office perhaps should have known, but did they know? And I. I I can't imagine the speaker would appoint him if he knew that. But anyway, that's well, my thought. Yeah, you, you, I think there is a world in which, you know, well, he got reelected when it was already public knowledge. So maybe it's blown over. It might have yeah. been part of the, you know, <laughs> that's speculation on my part. I don't have any knowledge. I haven't talked to Caleb about, about it. And, and so I could give them the benefit of the doubt there that maybe there's a, there's a certain percent chance they didn't know. But their reaction in not acknowledging the question is sort of telling um, you know, this goes to the heart of cancel culture here. It was something that happened 20 years ago, and I'm not defending it at all, right? Um, or, or more than 20 years ago. It, he he went, he attended a Halloween costume along with one of his buddies, and they tried to reenact the scene from Blazing Saddles, which is a movie that could not be made today by all accounts. Um, it's a movie that mocks the, uh, uh, you know, the, the use of the N-word, which was prevalent at that time, which, right. which mocks the Klan, because if the Klansman uh, in the movie had a, a smiley face on the back that said, have a nice day. I mean, it, it makes them look like fools. Right. And, and that was what the sheriff was trying to do. I will tell you that, um, you know, the sheriff and I do not have the best of relationships. You know, he when I brought civil asset forfeiture reform back to Georgia, he sent an email from his official sheriff's email account to my statehouse account threatening to crush the bill. Uh, wink, wink. Uh, one of the reasons why I drive around now with a dash cam in my car um, was a, a result of that particular email. And other representatives also have uh, dash cams in their car as a result of that particular email. So he, he has, you know, he has been in the news before for this very thing. Uh, and so it's surprising to me that it wasn't known if, if in fact it wasn't. Um, but I, I think it's more... I, it's, it's an example of cancel culture in, in, in one way, but it's also appropriate that he stepped down from this very important position and allow somebody else to take the reins. I agree that it's appropriate for him to step down, but it's also, it also highlights a double standard because, uh, because of uh, uh, the, his name escapes me, but the governor of Virginia. Who, Northam, Ralph Northam. Ralph Northam, yeah. Northam, yeah. I mean, who, who you know, the picture surface yeah. of him in blackface. Yeah. Uh, and it was quite the scandal. There, there were calls for him to resign. He never did. Uh, and he will complete his, his five-year term uh, later this year. Uh, so, I mean, there is that double standard that's out there and, you know, it's, it's problematic. And, and I mean, I'm, I am, I think there are people in, in culture who do need to be canceled, people who, who act uh, abusively or inappropriately towards 
towards others. Um, but at, at the same time, uh, I do think context is important. I don't think that in, like I said, this, in this particular instance, I do think he needed to resign. Uh, but yeah. con- context is always important. Yep. So, but, but in cancel culture, con- nobody cares about context. Now, if we, get a, uh, if we get a fundraising email from him saying uh, they tried to cancel me, but I'm, uh, you know, that, that would be in keeping with the political times where he, he, he uses this <laughs> as a platform to run for uh, United States Senate or something. I mean, why the heck not? Yeah. All I'll say and he'll is rally saying, stop the cancel culture. They tried to cancel me. Yeah, the only thing I'll say is it couldn't happen to a nicer guy, unfortunately. <laughs> Scott's not angry at all. Never met him, uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll trust your judgment, Scott. <laughs> thanks for everybody who joined us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash the Peach Pundit. Uh, thanks for watching on there. Uh, because we're broadcasting there, I'm, I don't feel compelled to actually post the final product. Uh, so uh, that saves me some time later tonight. So, But uh, feel free to... Uh, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, subscribe on Amazon Podcasts, whenever the hell that becomes active. Uh, check us out on YouTube. Keep visiting peachpundit.com. It's been kind of a slow, we're coming out of August. Things are a little slow. Things are going to start picking up a little bit towards the end of the year. So expect more content. Um, but until uh, next week, peace out. Peace out.